The following is a hoop bowl presentation. Welcome to the Hoop Ball NBA DFS Today podcast. Today is Wednesday, September 18th, and I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I'm here with my partner in crime, one of the more respected DFS guys in the industry, Mr. Mike Apatria. How are you today, Mike? Listen, I'm I'm still sitting here uh, counting my free rake winnings over from fantasy draft over the weekend. You know, it was a, another solid football week for me, coach. I, you know, maybe I'm a fish out there. Maybe it's because it's rake free, and you know, it's just more payouts. But I'm cashing out over there. I'm I'm getting confident going heading into this uh, preseason. You're already building a bankroll, and and it's football, huh? I'm just hoping that I can still like just continuously build. The, just even if it's like a little bit, I don't need to win like you know a couple hundred bucks a night or anything. But if I can keep it at, like a steady a steady increase by the time preseason comes, I'll be all right. Um, you know, I might. I, I'm, I'm trying not to be too greedy over here, and you know, enter a big contest like I'm a hot shot. Uh, but I'm getting confident. I'm getting some good plays out there. Man, congratulations. I may have to uh, uh, start uh, paying you for some uh, select NFL selections here. No. This coming week. No. I, as my, uh, my, my football fish consistency uh, has remained as it has in prior seasons, I, I do not dabble with it. I've only played the big uh, contests to support our, our sponsor fantasy draft, but again, uh, not willing to share, uh, my results. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would, I would never, uh, I would never charge anybody for any kind of football advice that I'm giving. I think I'm very knowledgeable. Uh, you know, I know a lot, uh, but I'm by far no, by far no means an expert. Uh, there's a lot of Dude, people that know a lot more than a, You're a shark. It could be, uh, you know, women's lacrosse, and I bet you you'd be uh, nailing stuff on there, dude. You're Listen, the, you're the man. Women's, women's Notre Dame's got a good team this year. See, uh, there I, you go. <laughs> there it is. We're, we're already in there. We, Mark, ex-Notre Dame players, women's lacrosse. There you go. You're in. <laughs> nah, I love it. I just love. I love watching sports, and uh, you know, I like breaking it down. I like taking. You know, li- I, you'll hear me say it a hundred times. You got to lift every rock. You got to turn every turn around every corner. You got to check everything. Uh, this is one of those things in DFS basketball, regardless of the sport. Uh, the more research you do, the better off you're going to be. Um, well, just hey, do a little bit more. My my mama didn't raise no fool. I know who to pick as my partner on this show, man. You think I'm not going to ride your coattails? You got another thing coming. I know you're. You're the goat, man, and I'm just trying to ride those coattails into the sunset. Get a little of that change falling out of your pocket. Yeah, <laughs> let's <laughs> let's let's hope for it this season. You know, let's let's see. You know, I, I, hey, if if we're if I can't I can't claim everything, coach. I mean, let's be real. If we're both winning, uh, it's because I'm probably stealing your place too. Like that, we'll, you'll hear it mention it a hundred times throughout the show. Uh, Javale McGee and the Nets. Uh, that's right. Nets. That's that's I, your humble pie, just yeah. to always keep you oh, yeah. keep you grounded. <laughs> I botched it. Yeah, I thought Kuzma's coming back, off an injury, uh, fresh. She's gonna play. We'll go small against the Nets. Yeah, twenty six, twenty one, and five. That's all I'm gonna say. 
All right, all right. All right enough of that. Enough, enough, all right, enough. let's we have such a full pack show today. We definitely got to get the the uh, ball rolling. But let, let me start out first of all by thanking uh, our presenting sponsor, Fantasy Draft. Uh, they're the only rake free fantasy site in the industry, completely rake free. Uh, you know, get on there, join at fantasydraft.com. Use the promo hoopball. That's H O O P B A L L, all one word. You get seven days free membership, which is up to $1,000 in rake-free tournaments. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like it in the industry. Again, all the buzz with all the sites, Fantasy Draft, with their rake-free contests. And I know you've uh, enjoyed, as you said, profiting in a few of those. And again, everything that goes in comes out. Uh, this week, they have the NFL Hooters 750000 guaranteed rake-free contest. So regardless, if there's uh, not 750000 in the pool, that's the amount guaranteed that's going to go out. And again, that's with no rake. And I don't believe there's any other rake-free big contest left in the industry. I know Yahoo had won the first couple of weeks. Uh, they're now uh, back to a, a 10% rake on their uh, million-dollar contest. So if you want a true rake-free contest, you got to go to uh, fantasy draft and, and uh, sign up there. So definitely get involved with them. Absolutely. I told you guys, uh, it's the only reason I think I, I won 180 on week one off of uh, a $20 play. Uh, I came in 248th place and normally that is not going to turn out to be $180, but the rake free, when you, when you're talking about these GPPs, a $20 entry, uh, 50,000 people, it was in week one and there, and other sites are taking 10% of that total winnings. That's, and that's the low rate. Some of yeah. them are, are much higher, 14, 16. It just depends on the site. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and you heard me mention it, I think, last show. Or that's one of the things I, I look into on my GPPs. And, yes, I, I do play multiple sites. Um, you know, there's some contests where they're better. There's some, there's some days where the pricing is just absurd on one. Uh, and I try to take advantage, like I said, to getting every edge. But knowing your sites and in the, in the in the scoring format and then also knowing how the rake is going to be for those gpps is going to influence which website i'm playing more on each given night no question and you know we talked quite a bit in depth if you missed last week's episode you can find it uh you know wherever podcasts are found uh and it was last thursday's episode where we talked a lot about that strategy you know how you want to make sure and, and understand the scoring rules. And, you know, these these things cannot, you know, go without being said too many times because, uh, you know, the contests that you're entering, entering, regardless of the site you're playing on, you got to know the exact scoring rules. you got to know the exact payouts. And that, again, uh, changes and affects your complete strategy going in. You know, if you go in blind and just throw a lineup in there, and use the same lineup across different sites, you're missing the boat. Um, you know, again, if you have a chance to listen in to uh, next or last week's show where we really went in depth about that, and we're going to be touching on it again almost every show because you know our whole preparation time in this off season, as we're almost close to the preseason here, is is to get you re ready to just crush and get, and get a good bankroll going even in the preseason when some of those contests become available. So 
make sure uh, to focus on that. And then um, to set the stage a little bit for how the shows, these next three shows are going to go, we're going to start off each uh, show today. We'll do the same with a little small talk, what's going on, uh, most recent in the news of the NBA. Just go a few minutes on those specific areas. And then we're going to dive into a three-part series, today being the first, where we're going to look at each team in the NBA and how it's directly affecting DFS with their player moves, their usage, everything that's going on. So we're going to... We're not going to do a really super deep dive, but we want to give a good five, ten minutes on every team to at least touch base with what we're seeing early on, what we're hearing, what you can keep an eye out for as the preseason and as the camps come along. We're going to do the Atlantic and Central on today's podcast. Next week, we'll do the Southeast and Northwest, and then we'll finish up. Uh, with the Pacific and Southwest uh, in that third show. And then that, then at that point, we're ready for daily shows uh, as the real contest begins. So with that, I'll start our, our quick early discussion here, Mike. It's 11 days from today, September 30th, when the first exhibition game is pl- played. Can you believe that? Um, it's one of my favorites. They're doing the overseas, the global games, so... Um, I don't believe there's going to be any contests for these games, but it means basketball's literally a day away, a couple of days away, we'll say. But it's so close from there, and we get to see actual exposure. And uh, some people might wonder, you know, what does that have to do with DFS? But this does because it gives you a glimpse ahead of the contest of these teams' rotations uh, right away. You get a firsthand look before pricing will come out on six teams, and. The only bad thing is is they could be adjusted for it, therefore. Um, but we can see, and you'll hear me say it throughout this show, when it comes to preseason strategy, one thing I always do is I look at coaching tendencies in the past. I'll see how they played the first preseason game last year, two years ago. You know, Maybe the coach was on a different team. I'll look at the coach on the other team, how he did it two years ago. Um, there's a few things I look at, and it gives you an indication of how that coach might look at it going into this year. And I'll tell you, Mike, you, you, I could not overstate that any more than I. I would just love to scream it from the top of the mountain here. You cannot be overprepared. You cannot watch too much basketball. You know, I've cleaned up in DFS basketball the last several years. And I'm telling you, I'll tell you right now, it's very simple. It's not that I have, like, this all-knowing fantasy cruncher where I'm putting all the numbers in and it's, you know, coming up with the the winning lineups and percentages. And, you know, I use the analytics and the numbers and all those things as well. But I'm telling you what it is. It's because I watch those games when it's a 30-point blowout and I'm watching at the end to see, you know, who comes in and plays their tail off, who's getting the coach's eye, who's still in that rotation. I'm at the NBA Summer League you know, watching 40, 50 games of basketball in person in Vegas. I'm watching the Team USA and all these uh, other teams playing in FIBA with 57 NBA players involved. I'm going to catch this entire global games. Uh, I mean, you can't take any more out of our conversations other than what I'm telling you is watch as much, absorb as much, that's where you get the edge, the tendencies. You see 
those little pieces that make you uh, a big winner in daily fantasy. And I'm telling you, you it's I applied it when I coached, and it made a difference in my coaching. And I've used that same psychology and, and entire approach to it with DFS, and it's been super successful. So I, you know, I know I'm really beating a dead horse with the same stuff, but I'm you, there's no replacing watching it and seeing it with your own eyes. Make sure you have the ticket. Make sure you're ready to to buckle down and get it done. Now, uh, the the global games, the, the games, the initial plates, the Pacers and Kings are playing in India, the Rockets and Raptors in Japan, and the Nets and Lakers in China. Again, that's that week of, of September 30th, uh, 11 days from now. And then uh, the first night, I believe that there will be, you'll be able to bet on preseason games will be uh October 4th. So, you know, again, you know, a couple weeks away, uh, but coming quickly because uh, we'll have four or five games that night. Um, and we, you should be able to bet DFS uh, preseason October 4th through October 18th. That's where we're looking to help you build that bankroll. And then the season tips off on October 22nd. So all the teams will start reporting here on the 30th uh, and on the 1st, and then they, they get right into games uh, right after that. Yep, and then we get to start winning some money. We do, and and our our goal is our, we want our all of our listeners to get that bankroll nice and cushy so that you can take some shots at uh, – at some contests. Now, you know, when we're talking about these games and sort of as you get to know us more and more, um, I, as you know, we, we've stated before, for those who listen to the first three uh, podcasts, I'm the cash game signal entry guy. I generally will only make one or two or three lineups per night and just focus on my main plays and go some, you know, in some big heads up 50 fifties or single entry games Whereas Mike's more, you know, he'll play a little bit of everything because he's a goat, but he's more the GPP guy, get in there and fire, you know, 10, 15 lineups, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, a lot of guys mass enter up to 150 lineups, which again is another strategy, but he'll always be taking a little bit more of the discussion and approach of preparing you for those GPPs. And I'll be uh, talking a little bit more on the cash single entry side. So just to, as a reminder to everybody, as we get in, you know, to start looking at the teams. Absolutely. Um, I like my GPPs. Um, I will play a little bit of cash games, but uh, I, you know, you gotta, you gotta risk it for the biscuit once in a while, coach. Um, I like to risk it. Yeah. I, I like that sweat where you're, you're watching yourself go up and down in the rankings. I, I enjoy it. I, you know, even if it's doing low dollar GPPs, like I'm not sitting out there, you know, doing, 150 entries in a $25 contest. You know, the most I generally do is, you know, max out a $4 entry in like a 20 max contest or a 40 max contest. That's, I, that's generally my limit, but it, I take the same approach. You got to take some shots here and there. Uh, you take ownership into account and again, look for every single edge you can have, whether it's a narrative or a little secret stat you found underneath a rock, whatever it may be, take advantage no, of it. No question. All right, let's let's jump into these teams. Uh, we have ten teams to get through today, and again, we want to you know be able to touch on them enough 
uh, just to to uh, remind everybody to you know take a few notes on a few of these people, or maybe it, it helps you feel comfortable with who you're high on or who you you think you're going to fade initially, and uh, getting sort of a getting a feeling there. So we're going to start off in the Atlantic division with the Boston Celtics. Uh, I'll get the ball rolling there a little bit. Again, uh, part of the interesting part with the Celtics will be they've got four guys of their uh, rotation that played on this wonderful Team USA uh, shenanigans that went on in the FIBA World Cup. So, you know, there's two different schools of thought there. And, you know, there you can really take it Either way, I can tell you which way I look, but a lot of people initially like to fade those guys because they figure they haven't had proper rest. They're going to need, you know, a little time to get 100 percent, you know, ready and physically rebounded from playing in FIBA. Uh, And then there's others that, that take the other approach that they're fit and they've been playing and they're ready to roll. That's sort of the approach that I like to take with uh, people coming out of these. Now, where I put a a little asterisk on all these guys that played uh, is three-quarters way through the season, uh, I think a lot of them will hit the wall a little bit earlier than they normally do uh, just based on, you know, playing throughout the summer. So these are, you know, notes that I'll have for later on in the season. I don't expect it to affect things uh, initially. So, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the big news is going to be, you know, it's it's Kemba's team. Kemba comes in, um, is going to run the show. The reins are handed over to him, you know, to lead these young guys who are coming off a phenomenally disappointing season, um, you know, with Kyrie and that whole fiasco. Um, you know, I think personally – Early on here, the guys I think that will benefit from Kemba being there are are Jason Tatum uh, and Jalen Brown. I think those two guys, you know, you can look for an uptick. Obviously, they played together all summer. I think that, you know, they realize now they're not – it's just a totally different mindset than when they were playing with Kyrie. I think that those guys will, will come in and be ready to contribute and make some noise early on. Um, they also added uh, Ennis Canner at center that, uh, you know, should get some quality minutes. Um, one highlighted guy, I think, to keep an eye on is Robert Williams uh, III. He's a, a young guy that, that I think will get in their rotation and get some minutes. Uh, uh, and then obviously you can't, you know, not mention Gordon Hayward after the horrific injury you know, generally guys that are coming back from those kind of injuries uh, take a full season or so until they're back to themselves. And hopefully that, you know, that's where uh, Hayward will be and we'll see an, an initial uptick with his uh, his output. But uh, go ahead. You can jump in. Yeah, no, I mean, I kind of agree. I wanted to, to circle back a little bit to them, you know, them – Playing in FIBA and then coming in here. The only the only caveat I have with that is that two of their their core players uh, got hurt during the FIBA games as well. You know, Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart. So those are two guys that are coming out of just playing a summer's worth of ball, nursing an injury, going into a preseason game. Which, you know, I can play devil's advocate and say, well, they you know their core four just played together. 
a few games and practice together plenty. So um, mm-hmm. that's the only caveat I have. And I guess that's one you can only really have with the Celtics because not, not too many other players were you know, severely injured or even remotely hurt during the FIBA games. But so that's like the only the only maybe those two players you might want to just shy away from a little bit. Um, again, we'll get into we'll get into their their actual DFS worth. Um, you know, the night when they're playing, and we jump into the research. We check out the minutes, dis, you know, distributed last season and usage and other things. But um, I, you know, I'm looking for a lot of the same things with you. I'm also going to look at to see how this team plays. You know, without Al Horford on their team, Al Horford used to slide over to the five and be able to be that stretch five for them now. Uh, kind of space the floor for their shooters. Yeah, create a lane for Kyrie Irving when he was there. And now we're kind of seeing a whole different approach. We're going to have Enos Kanter planted down in the paint. He's not a very versatile guy. You kind of know his game of what it is. And mm-hmm. it's, going to be re- it's going to be dependent on their shooters. How well is Gordon Hayward going to be able to shoot when he's playing stretch four? Uh, you know, you're going to need guys like Jalen Brown to step up. And you're going to need absolutely need Jason Tatum to come into his third year and just crush it. Um, we need to see a big leap from him. And, you know, Kemp is the type of guy where – He's never really played against another alongside of another offensive force, uh, let alone had other options on the team that he can even count on. I mean, right. Nicholas Batum coming off of a few wrist surgeries late in his career. Uh, you know, they drafted bums every single year that they've had a chance to other than him pretty much. Uh, Bridges looks good, but talking about everybody in between, it's not very good name. So it's going to be a big adjustment for a team overall. Um, and I, I mean, Marcus Smart, he's finally going to be able to play backup point guard again. So that's going to be another big factor when you're looking at DFS and just season long things is a lot of the times he was playing, you know, the two guard. And now he gets a little bit more ball handling responsibility. Maybe we see a little uptick in assists um, and just guaranteed minutes. You know, when it's late in the fourth quarter and it's a close game, he's going to be on the court. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think that I'll, I'll tell you that the East is, is weak. So they've got a shot to make some noise, but uh, without Tatum taking the next step, you know, almost to an all-star type level and Hayward rebounding to where, you know, he was before the injury, you know, I, I'm not sure how deep I would predict them going, but, you know, certainly a team, uh, you know, Boston has a tendency to be overpriced a little bit. I don't know if it's because DraftKings is, home bases in Boston and you got, I don't know if that's a narrative that really anybody talks about. I think Boston has a tendency to get a little bit overpriced because of that, but just something to keep an eye on. Um, But uh, you know, all in all, I think initially Kemba is going to be way too expensive out of the gate and some of the secondary guys might be the early plays, but you know, it doesn't hurt to start looking at that pricing in your own brain and so that when it does finally come out, you know, you can say, okay, I, I, this guy wasn't nearly as expensive that I thought he was going to be or vice versa. That may help present some of your value for you right off the bat. Absolutely. And again, uh, it's going to be very dependent on the matchup as well. Um, so we're going to have to see what yeah. these guys are priced at and who they're facing. And a lot of the people on the beginning and opening nights just might look at, you know, that's too much for a guy, but um, and look at last year's sample size a little bit too much as far as defenses. Teams change. You have to factor in, you know, what that player did on the, other, the on the former team it was, what the drafted players are going to account for as well. Um, so a team that might have been one of the league's worst defenses last year might be middle of the pack this year. And you're not going to even be able to find that out until we get a decent sample size. 
Well, and, and beating the field to that sample size is what we're all about trying to figure out right now. That's why we're, we're grinding out these podcasts and looking at all of these scenarios. And you're right. We're doing a brush over the top just to, you know, get everybody's mind thinking about these players and what roles they're going to play. But, you know, for, for those transferring into DFS for the first time and or newer to it that have played leagues, year-long leagues, you know, it nothing matters the day before, the day after. It's that 48-minute game against that matchup that night. So it, it really, you have to hone in. And we'll do that as we break down the games each night prior to them being played. But again, this, this is to give you just sort of a brush over to, to uh, you know, give you a feel for it. But you're right, man. It's, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. And I think Boston is one of those teams that, uh, you know, the jury's definitely out on them to determine, uh, you know, what they're going to have to offer. All right, let's let's jump on. Uh, why don't you get us uh, rocking and rolling with uh, Team Two here, the Brooklyn Nets? Oh yeah, uh, the Nets are going to be a team to watch. I mean, obviously the big off-season acquisitions of Kyrie Irving and you know Kevin Durant, and then you know sh- shipping uh, D'Angelo Russell across the country over to Golden State, where I'm sure he's probably much happier. But it's it's going to be a big change. But again, we're kind of seeing. Uh, you know, a swap that we can gauge a lot of the you know, the future results off of. You know, Kyrie Irving, a high usage point guard, uh, D'Angelo Russell, high usage point guard. So, you know, th- that being the big switch, because obviously Kevin Durant's not going to be playing this season with the Achilles injury. Um, you know, we're going to keep an eye on that. But I also want to see exactly what a full, healthy Karis LeVert looks like. It's the thing that gets forgotten about, I think, in the in the past tense when we talk about how good how good he really was in the before that gruesome ankle right. injury. He was absolutely like D'Angelo Russell was not even having a chance to play at, at an All Star caliber level uh, when Karis, Karis LeVert was on the court. He was just absorbing the usage. He was. Just he just looked like a different player that that we've seen in the past. He's looking like his college days when he looked healthy. Um, yep. but, you know that's one thing I'm gearing up because that is going to drastically change things. And now we also are looking at a team on the defensive end who was notoriously known for being the worst team against bigs. Uh, you know, would everybody mm-hmm. would just crush them in rebounding, and then they bring in DeAndre Jordan as well. So uh, that's another thing that, like I just said moments ago, a team that might have been looked at as one of the worst rebounding or defensive teams. Uh, might be one of the you know a mediocre team. I don't think they're going to be anything great because I, I still expect them to split some some decent minutes with Jared Allen. I mean Jared Allen's a very good defender too, but he's more of a shot blocker I think than a, a great defender. Uh, but it's it's definitely going to impact them. Twenty minutes of DeAndre Jordan is going to absorb some defensive blows. It's going to be able to absorb rebounds, and it's something that we're going to have to take into account for. And having that kind of edge where some other guys who are just looking at past stats and last year's stats who aren't really just thinking everything through might be yeah. targeting them. Yeah, no no question. And, you know, it's last year it was a plug-and-play for me, like you said. You know, whatever center was going against Brooklyn, you just lock it in. I mean, they were the 30th uh, in the in – the, uh, uh, league against centers. So that will change. DeAndre Jordan is definitely a game changer there. You know, I can, I can't stand, and you know, I, I always, you know, I talk about this 10 times a show, but I'm a minutes equal money guy and usage guy. So, you know, Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan are just not even in my, 
uh, on my compass. I, I don't want guys splitting the game. It, it's not going to help me win that 48-minute DFS uh, game. Now, if one of them's dinged up or that kind of thing, then, yeah, jump on them. They also have a young guy in Nicholas Claxton that I think has a chance to make the team as a third center. He was fantastic in summer league. I mean, just jump out of the gym, energy, and, you know, just terrific young player out of Georgia. I think he's got a great future, and I hope they, they keep him on the squad. He may, you know, uh, you know, if he's not getting minutes, they may throw him down to the G League to, to get some extra time. But I just – I am not going to be messing around with the, the center position with, with Brooklyn early on. Something to keep an eye on. Um, I agree with you. Karis LeVert was, was just looking, you know, uh, extraordinary before the injury. He came back a lot quicker from the injury than I had anticipated. You know, I had, was watching the game when he got hurt. And like you said, it was gruesome. But he, he bounced back pretty quick and started getting his legs under him at the end of the year. looked like, uh, you know, and all reports seem that he's going to be fine uh, coming into the season. So, uh, you know, Kyrie's uh, – you know, his role with the team, how that's going to take place. Did he learn from the Boston nightmare? We'll see. You know, you, you always got Dinwiddie and Joe Harris that you know, you know, on a given night, if you pick them again, it can win you a, a tournament or, you know, win you some serious cash game money. So, you know, they definitely play at a, at a up tempo. I think they will continue to do so. And, uh, I don't anticipate they'll be, you know, uh, any anywhere short on shooting up threes and, and tempo, uh, so they'll still be in play on a given night. I mean, young guy Kuruks, his second year, I think it'll be fun to watch to see how he develops. He's got some some good ability, but um, I know he's had a few off-court uh, off issues this summer, so we'll see if that affects anything. But certainly a team in transition – I think you know the the fact that the Barclays Center is going to sell out because the fans are all going ballistic uh, for the Nets right now will help them in home games. I I give them a big tick up on nights when they're playing at home, um, you know. But it'll be fun to see. I really I think that uh, this will be one of those teams that uh, if they mesh. Uh, and can make the playoffs and then get KD back next year. Who the heck knows what can happen? And it is one of the teams that I like to go and watch because I'm over here in Connecticut. So basically every team that we'll be talking about, um, you know, on here, well, through the first three, uh, I'll say, are within driving distance from me. So those are the three nice. teams that if I'm, if I'm going to any games, those are the teams I'm watching. Um, and, the, wow. and, the, and going to the Barclays Center, that stadium is absolutely beautiful. It's like brand new. It looks like right when you walk in. Um, there's not a bad seat in the house. It's it's an awesome atmosphere. Same thing, you know, going to TD Garden and going to the, the Mecca. Um, those are the three unreal fun stadiums. Uh, you know, I've never actually been to any other stadiums but those three. So that's on the bucket list this year, Coach. Wow. I got to get to another stadium other than those three. Yeah, well, we got to get you down here, get you to see a Mavs game, at least. I mean, you you didn't get to see Dirk, but we'll get to see Luca and KP. Oh, I saw we'll Dirk. Get- I saw Dirk. I got I got him on a road game. I made sure I got some Dirk in my life. But uh, no, you're right. I do need to get down there. I got, I've always wanted to just kind of go. My uh, my uncle used to live in Houston, 
So, yeah. I, you know, never, I never actually got to go visit him out there, but that was on the bucket list was to go to, you know, Rockets, Rockets Mavs game because uh, he was a Houston guy. I'll have to sit down and make a list of all the, the, the places I've been to see games. I've probably been at least 15 or so uh, different stadiums to see games, uh, basketball games. I'll have to make that list some at some point. And some of them are now defunct. They're not even playing. <laughs> so uh, that goes to show you. But uh, all right, man, let's keep this train moving. And uh, let's jump into the New York knickerbockers for the old school school folks or as the kids call them the knicks the new york knicks uh obviously coming off the uh the disappointing off season and the, the disaster of not getting their big name guys they they uh as everybody knows just uh, i think just took a big pile of money and threw it up against the wall and see what players it stuck to and just signed like six different forwards to overinflated contracts. So God only knows what they're doing, but the Knicks are going to be interesting. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of their coach. I love, I, I think he was uh, a fantastic uh, coach at the Grizz and, and wherever he, wherever he had coached prior, but coach Fizz to me, knows the game. So I, I'm hoping he has a plan. I'm sure he didn't expect it to sort of, un, you know, un, unravel to not get the big name guys. But let's talk about what they do have. They've got, you know, uh, a guy in Dennis Smith who, from a fantasy standpoint, I usually am very wary of because he is one of those guys that uh, percentage-wise is not the guy that you're looking for and can throw up, put a lot of donuts up on the board. But if you catch him against the right matchup on the right night, he can be good. I mean, he's obviously explosive, you know, best vertical uh, in the game. I'm, I guess not as high as Zion's, but pretty close or, or close to it. But, uh, you know, he's going to probably be starting at the point they added Elf off the shelf to, to back him up. Um, then obviously the number two pick, R.J. Barrett, how is he going to play? You know, I uh, as my buddy Adrian Benjamins, we did – some some podcasts uh, from summer league this this year. I was riding old R.J. Barrett really hard because it just looked like he was, uh, you know, a duck out of water uh, half the time. He just wasn't didn't look smooth to me. Looked a little overrated. So I, you know, I know a lot of people really like him. I think he's going to be a strong player, but I would say keep your, uh, you know. Keep your eye on him a little bit before you sink anything into him early on. He's going to probably carry a fairly good price tag because he'll certainly, uh, you know, get a, a good chunk of minutes right off the bat. Uh, the main guys, I think, you know, to, to put a circle around early on are Julius Randle because he's just a, an, a DFS god, man. He'll knock anybody out of the way, even if it's his own teammate, to get every rebound. You know, he's always looking to stuff the stat sheet. So you got to love a guy like that for your DFS squad. I think he's a guy that, you know, hopefully not priced up too high is probably going to come out of the shoot firing. So he's, he's on my watch list. No doubt about it. Then, you know, a big sweetheart from everybody last year, Mitch Robinson, you know, how's, you know, he blocks everything in sight. Um, he, he played summer league ball, which I thought was shocking this year. 
after being their starting center, but he played, got to see him play quite a bit. He does block a ton of shots, man, but still gets in tremendous foul trouble. There was a game where you know, you you uh, you can't you get ten fouls in the summer league, and it was about three minutes left in the fourth quarter, and he had picked up his seventh, and it was like, okay, is this you know is this going to transfer over into the season again where he's just you know sitting on the bench? I mean. It, he would put up good stats in 15, 18 minutes, a good, a good DFS line when you could get him at a good price. But, you know, that that's you're not going to get that, I don't believe, this year because, you know, the, the word's out on him. He's going to be more expensive. And if he starts crushing you with having to sit on the bench in foul trouble, you know, that's a killer. So, you know, that's a guy, obviously, boomer bust guy, you know, on, on a given night with the matchup. You know, I'm probably going to be all over him. There's going to be a lot of times, though, I'm fading him, I can tell you right now. And then the last guy uh, I wanted to touch on is I like Bobby Portis. I know a lot of people give him a hard time, and he is a little bit off the wall and unpredictable, but he's he's just that little bit of crazy that I like on the court, you know? Like, he, you know, he you're not sure if he's going to dunk on you, punch you in the nose, or what's going to happen. But I like that he keeps everybody off off base and I'll tell you there was a stretch of games for Washington last year after he got traded where he was fantastic when he, he got the minutes they let uh, let him play at the four because uh, you know, he can play four or five and he could run the floor like a gazelle and definitely a guy that uh, is probably going to be a cheap price early on that you can use so the Knicks probably of, of any team in the in the league are going to be the most interesting to see what's going to develop there. But that's, you know, that's just sort of my overlay on it initially. No. And I mean, I'm glad you, you touched on uh, Bobby Portis because he's the one guy that I think is like the pivot to uh, Mitchell Robinson. Cause uh, if, you know, if that's going to be the starting front court, if uh, Mitchell Robinson gets in foul trouble, Portis is probably the most likely that's going to come in and play the five. Um, so he's that's he can actually see that benefit of you know guaranteed I would say about 22 minutes uh, 18 to 22 and then on the occasion where Mitch Rob gets into foul trouble uh, Bobby Port is playing 24 26 minutes is good uh, any, anybody that knows Bobby Portis has watched and played has you know followed his career it all knows that he does not like to pass the ball he just basically will take the most errant shots which is great for DFS because we don't care about their field goal percentage. Just their yeah. overall stats, so I'll let them right. shoot all day long. Yeah, and you know what though? What my my question to you is, is this, and my concern initially is with them signing all those small power forwards and centers. I mean, they 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 gave Taj Gibson a bunch of money, um, Marcus Morris, um, Wayne Ellington. And they have Barrett and Knox and Randall and Portis and Robinson. You know, and how is this going to play out on minutes, dude? It's going to be a lot of divvying up. Um, I think, uh, you know, eventually they'll get down to their fourth quarter rotation. And those once we see those guys on a consistent basis, we'll have a better idea. Uh, you know, Morris is a guy who in the past we've seen him play a little bit of the three. So he can kind of squeeze himself into there and, you know, chop away some of Knox's minutes. But, um, you know, looking at, at, a, at a backup standpoint, I would assume that Bobby Portis is going to be primarily be the backup center and, you know, maybe see a couple power forward minutes here and there. Taj Gibson's going to basically be a veteran presence. 
uh, picking up a few minutes from both center and power forward. And then, like I said, Morris is probably going to get a little bit of time at um, the three and the four, but probably play more of the three is what I'm going in there. My assumption, um, you know, it's right. it's the New York Knicks, so anything <laughs> anything is possible. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And I think, you know, trying to figure out what those rotations are going to be, you know, early on, you know, again, if we're trying to make some bankroll, build up some bankroll early, you know, I think Randall's got to be your initial go-to guy. But, you know, it's, again, it, like you said, it's the Knicks. But I do have faith in Coach Fizz. So, you know, Fizdale's, you know, generally has a good basketball mind. So I think you'll get the right guys on the court at some point. Well, uh, I'm, I'm kind of – I'm not a completely data-driven guy. Obviously, I love to watch the game, and I take every aspect into account. But uh, we might we might be butting heads if I pull out some of the stats I got on him from last year. So we'll, we'll save those from when the when we talk about them a little bit more in depth. When the, on when the, when the are you talking about? Oh, uh, well, his coaching. His coaching. Uh, his well, coaching. well, he did – that was 100%, 1 billion percent uh, on purpose. They, they made the decision – that they were trying to get the number one pick to get Zion, and that would be part of them grabbing Kyrie and KD. They were in a total tank mode. I mean, if you see some interviews with Fizz and, you know, even their their stupid owner that is, you know, really the root of all of their issues, they, you know, they were they had basically said it without saying it, you know. So I, I would take any stats Fizz put up last year and, flush him down the toilet. There were literally games we were watching, my son and I, and we said, why did he take those guys out and put these guys in and blew that game? Well, that's because they didn't want to win, man. So, But if you go back and look at what he had to work with, like with the Grizz and stuff back, you know, a couple of years back, the guy's good. I'm telling you, he's a good coach. I just I, – my, my, my one pressing thing with him is just – they went out there. They spent all that money on uh, Mario, and I think what was the last five games of the season they wanted to, you know, try some things out. So initially, the report came out when they brought him over. He was fully expecting to only play point guard uh, hmm. when he came over. That's the whole reason he signed with the Knicks. He was primarily he was expected to be their primary point guard. That's what he was told. Um, then when push came to shove, he wasn't playing point guard. He was playing small forward. So I think that's why a little bit at the end of the season, um, you got to see him play point guard. It's a, cause they needed one and B it's that's he, in his mind, he thinks he's a, he's a point guard. Um, he was really wanted to play that. And I'm, you know, I'm guessing that's part of the reason why he's gone. Um, his yeah. vision wasn't there with the coaching vision and, you know, it's probably a good thing that he didn't play point guard. He's got air handles. It would probably be 11 turnovers a game. Um, yeah. But you know, if you're playing for nothing, let the guy play. You know, let's see. Give us something to watch. Um, you know, guys like me who go to these games for tanking teams. I mean, this is other than the Celtics for the past few years. I, I've been watching Knicks and Nets games for the past I don't know how long. So yeah, you know, I'm 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 kind of underprivileged over here. Yeah, that's a tough. That's tough. You know that that's always bothers me too when the whole load management thing when you have people that you know save up to take their whole family to you know one or two games a year at the most and then you got load load management days and you don't even get to see the main guys play that just that just really chaps me i i don't agree with that at all i'm right there and i've it's happened firsthand to me um, yeah. you know i don't know if these if these guys up there and the general managers and everybody coaching and 
when they realize it's you're not just buying a ticket. Like, yeah, I could tell you firsthand going into New York, going into Boston, uh, it's not cheap just, you know, being there for a day to, to, you know, taking trains, doing what you have to do to get around. And it ends up being a full day event, like you said. And once you take your family, you know, now it's a full, it's, it's going on vacation for a day. Yeah, it's big bucks. Well, before we transfer off of the Knicks, let's uh, let's hear a quick uh, snippet from from my man Julius Randall and his excitement about joining the Knicks. Oh, man, I'm very excited. Uh, I say it's a dream come true for me. You know, uh, being able to you know play for this iconic franchise and you know had this opportunity ahead of me, so I'm excited. What went into the decision? You know, how many options did you have, and why in the end? I had, a, I had a lot of options. I just felt like this opportunity for me was the greatest opportunity. I feel like there's no fan base, no organization, you know, that's starving and, and, and hungry to win more than the Knicks in the NBA. And I don't think there's a better place in the NBA to win than with the Knicks in New York. So uh, for me, it was a no-brainer. Um, and like I say, every day I wake up, man, I, I pinch myself because I'm excited. All right. As you can hear, Julius is definitely – stoked up and ready to go i think he, you're, we're gonna see some some big numbers from him this year why don't you t- roll us on to the one of the my favorite teams this season the philadelphia 76ers yes and this is a team that we know is loaded with you know season-long fantasy assets and even dfs you know joel Embiid, we've seen put up one of the biggest scores last season uh, ben simmons a walking triple double um, but, you know, Butler's gone now. He's over in Miami. We have a few additions being with Al Horford and Josh Richardson, and there's a lot to figure out. Um, you know, for me, the, the number one thing I'm, I'm looking at going in there is uh, fourth quarter leads. Does, you know, does Embiid even see the court? You know, they can have a couple of, you know, solid options being like Al Horford at the five and Tobias Harris sliding over, you know, playing the four. And, the, you know, there's a there's a lot of things now that I think that kind of allows them to just coast into playoffs and have a fully healthy team to take a real stab at it this year. Uh, ben Simmons, though, I mean, does he have a jump shot yet? Probably not. Uh, it's going to be a thing that yeah. we still have to watch for. It's still a thing that we need to keep an eye on, but it's it's most likely not there. And again, uh, I mentioned it, I think, on the first episode. Guys like Josh Richardson and Al Horford, they're not guys I'm going to be initially targeting. Um, they're going to be guys I'm looking to play when we know like that Ben Simmons is out. I'll play Josh Richardson. If Embiid's out, I'll play Al Horford. Um, we'll take our shots on the red situations. But no, nah, this team's almost, I wouldn't say a stay away, but unless it's Embiid or Simmons, which is pretty much the situation last year, uh, I'm not really looking to play anybody else. That makes sense. I've got a quiz question for you. Do you know who I have just as many NBA threes in my career as? Well, it's probably not J.J. Redick or Steve Kerr. So He plays on the Sixers. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. our man Ben Simmons. Uh, yeah. I think the, world, the world is going to stop when he hits a three. I think that that's when we know that global warming has taken its final step to melting the earth when he drops a three. So who knows, man, but I'm with you, man. I I'm, I'm pumped about the, the Sixers. They were my pick last year and that unbelievably gruesome quadruple bounce of that three point shot from Kawhi still rings 
rings true to me. Like, oh my God, I can't believe that ball went in. But I think I love the move the Sixers made. I think defensively, they're going to be an absolute monster to play against as well. Josh Richardson is a shutdown, you know, all defensive uh, league type guy. Tobias Al Horford and B, you know, if he get his right, can lead the league in blocks. And Simmons, you know, what a what a difficult matchup as a six ten point guard for people. So they're going to be a monster. I, I think they're going to be a really fun team. I think they're going to push Milwaukee as far as uh, who wins the East. And, you know, DFS-wise, you know, I know that it's going to be adjustment. I mean, you've got some major pieces that have come in now. But I I wouldn't be afraid at all, you know, to jump on the uh, Joel Embiid uh, bandwagon. I, I think Tobias Harris is always consistent as well. From a DFS standpoint, a lot of times Tobias comes in at a fair price and is a good fit for, for lineups. And, you know, Embiid obviously is going to be one of the more expensive centers. But depending on the matchup, even though Horford, yes, he's going to take a few of his rebounds and this and that. But, you know, Horford is going to space the floor. He's not going to get Embiid's way in the paint. So, you know, I would shy a little more away from Horford statistically when, you know, he was uh, one of the go-to guys down the stretch for Boston last year, I think. You know, that will fall much more in the hands of, of Simmons and Bede and Harris. Um, you know, Josh Richardson is another guy I took a ton last year when he was the number one option with the Heat. You know, all of a sudden he's now a fourth or fifth option. So, you know, he's certainly going to suffer in DFS usage. But, um, you know, Simmons is a guy, he's interesting, man. I, you know, I would take him. He's expensive. He'd put up 50, 55 fantasy points for me and still only shoot 30, 35% from the field. It, but he just rebounds and assists and does everything out there. So always a fun guy to take. Definitely a, a, a stat stuffer. He's a, he's a great guy. Cause I don't like him in year long and in my other leagues that I play because his, you know, percentages uh, are so poor and, and he doesn't, you know, he's dead in threes and everything else, but on a DFS standpoint, when he has one of his 24-point, 14-assist, 14-rebound games, you know, you don't care about percentages. They make no difference whatsoever. He's just a, a, a DFS, you know, god out there. So I'll be on the Sixers early. I'm not going to be afraid of, of uh, you know, other than Horford, I think, may take a small step back statistically. But, you know, their, their bench took a little bit of a hit. You know, if you look at their their uh, backups, you know, they've got Trey Berg, Zyre Smith, uh, you know, Mike Scott, Jonah Bolden. I mean, not, you know, not the depth that they've had in past years. So, you know, how that's going to come into play, will we see a little more usage from their, their top five or six guys? I think we probably will. So they'll be high on my list uh, early on. I think they want to get out of the shoot. And, uh, you know, let Milwaukee know it's going to be fight to the end. So, well, I mean, uh, we just got to hope that Mike Scott's not fighting any Philly fans in the parking lot before games. That's probably my number one concern with their bench. Uh, okay. I think yeah. it was, what was he at the at the Eagles game and he got into a little brawl, a little scuffle. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're dumb enough to mess with Mike, Mike Scott, you know, he is a bad dude, man. I wouldn't mess with him. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. If he if he can keep his head about him, he's he's a good bench guy. But uh, I would definitely want him on my team. That's for sure. Not not against. No, yeah, I, I think he he might be up there with like you know James Johnson as like two of the tougher guys uh, that you, that you wouldn't want to pick a fight with. Yeah, I I probably would say I totally agree with you on both of those guys. That would be those are sort of like the the Spider Man versus Spider Man meme that you always see. Those two guys, <laughs> love to see those, the, can you imagine those two squaring off? Oh my gosh! Well, I, I think James Johnson. I, I think he's like a black belt in uh, it's either like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu or karate yeah, yeah. or one of the yes. other. So I'm I'm putting my money on the guy that you know legally can't touch people with his hands in the wrong way like that you know like he he's got lethal weapons uh he, he would kill you before you you knew what hit you. <laughs> exactly Snap that would be over <laughs> all right well i mean I, I i think that's that's pretty much all i got for philly i mean like i said this is it's their their core five is just too good where i think it's going to impact everybody a little bit um, but like you said, the only guys I'd probably really consider Tobias Harris, I, I think is more of a cash guy. Um, I don't think yeah. he's, he's not going to be really tournament viable this year. Just the ceiling is not going to be there. He's not much of a, a guy that he doesn't get a lot of steals or blocks. He's not doing in defensive categories. Right. And, well, he's matchup dependent too. No doubt about it. Yeah. And I, I just don't see that the avenue of him even going off, you know, the occasional 28, 30 point game is going to be in his arsenal. Um, but you know, there's going to be a lot of other guys out there that are going to want to get fed as well. So they're going to I'll tell you, those. though, you know, they went in the fourth quarter to take that last outside shot. They almost exclusively went to Butler last year. I think he's going to get those looks he this should. year. He absolutely should. He's, he's a far better three-point shooter than Butler. Um, I'm not – I mean, I'm pulling this number off the top of my head. It just kind of stands out, but – um, I believe it was something something along the lines of like thirty nine percent or thirty eight point eight percent from three, um, which is pretty darn good. Uh, you know, he won. He was three point contest guy. So uh, Tobias Harris can ball. He can shoot. It's it's uh, the strongest asset of his game. game. Yeah, he's got the full game and he got the the full money too. So he, he's got to show it for sure. All right, let's let's uh, let's roll on. I'll jump. Uh, on the start of the defending world champion Toronto Raptors. That still doesn't sound right to me, but I get it. I mean, they did it. They won it. So, um, you know, I am from the school of thought of, you know, number one, it was just sort of an incredible thing that they won it. And two, they lost a guy that single-handedly won it. So, you know, I don't know if this team is – and, I, you know, you can call me crazy, and, and I'll, I'm sure I'll see the tweets and some of the responses. But, you know, but I don't even know if they're a, just a periphery playoff team, even in the East. That's just – I know it sounds crazy, but, you know, I don't know. You've got, you know, Kyle Lowry, there, who is obviously a, a sound point guard, uh, uh, you know, steady. Uh, I don't know – if you'd consider an all-star anymore at this point, maybe. I mean, you know, he's right on that periphery, but he's he's a fine player. Uh, you know, you, the rest of their starting lineup, as it's looking, though, Norman Powell, uh, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, who everybody's talking about as, you know, the most improved player in the league, 
And then you've got an, 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 a Marcus Saul who's getting up there and Serge Ibaka who's not the youngest guy. Not exactly a team that scares you to death. Um, in fact, even on their bench, you know, Van Vliet had an unbelievable playoff run. They picked up Stanley Johnson. No, thank you. Rondé Hollis Jefferson. No, thank you. Um, you know, I just I'm not sure where their their uh, punch is going to come from. Um, you know, from a DFS standpoint, it's got to come from somewhere. So there's there's some value here uh, to be found. Um, I just personally haven't figured out exactly where that value is from. You know, you look at statistically, you know, uh, Lowry, especially Van Fleet, a couple of those guys just played way above their heads in the playoffs of their normal statistics and percentages. So, you know, I guess, you know, Siakam's going to come with a very expensive price tag. The fact that he's definitely, in my opinion, the best player on this team, I think that that's the guy you have to start and end with when it comes to DFS. Uh, because if he does step up, you know, and the question is now that he's also number one on the chalkboard for the opposing coach to defend, can he step up to that challenge will be the question. So. You know, uh, I'm a, a monster Raptors fade guy early on. I think, you know, for multiple reasons, you've got Gasol coming off a championship in FIBA where he played his guts out, you know, and he's no younger. you got Lowry coming off thumb surgery and Siakam, you know, first time having to be the main man. Fade city, brother. I'm with you. I mean, at the end of the day, <clears throat> we got to imagine that these uh... – these Raptors play at a slower pace now. They're they're going to have to rely on their defense. Um, I could see them being a little bit more of a like a grit team, uh, just trying to edge it out. No, you know, holding on until yeah. the fourth quarter and then pulling out wins like that. Uh, sort of like an old grind city type uh, Memphis team. Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. Uh, you're right. You know, they're going to maybe call Tony Allen out of retirement though. Yeah, uh, they'll need they'll need some they'll need a little bit more. I mean, OG great defender. Um, the appendectomy took him out of the playoffs, but he, yeah. he's a guy that he's a young kid, but he's a, he's long, he's athletic, uh, he's got very good footwork. He's a very he's one of the probably one of the better younger defenders in the league. Marcus Saul still you know still on his age, he still knows how to you know use his feet the right way, get get to the spots in the court where he needs to be. Serge Ibaka, um, his blocks have been you know continuously going down every season, but he's a guy that you know. He can still get up there, and he can still, you know, pin a couple against the backboard. So, I'm not, I'm not as much worried about um, about them on on defense as I am offense, like you said. But they're also not a team that I might be targeting, um, you know, opposing teams to go against either. So, it's not only just Fadesville for for me on them. Maybe Kyle Lowry, depending on the price. Um, I'm expecting a slight increase in usage. Probably won't be anything crazy. Yeah, uh, but. I'm I'm probably going to be looking at fading the teams facing them for for a good amount of time until we kind of get a better indication of exactly what their pace is going to look like. And and I agree with you. I mean, I think Nick Nurse is a good coach, and I think he realizes his best chance is to shorten the game. I mean, he because he's going to be outmanned on on a lot of nights, so he's going to have to shorten the game, grind it out, defend. You know, Gasol and Abak are, are are great defenders, so. You know, even in even though they're getting older, so I, I guess you know I'm with you. I think just definitely don't want to have you know your big bucks 
on like, you know, Siakam and, and the best player from the other team that's playing Toronto early on. And then, you know, the, the game ends up 89-84 and, and you're, you're dead in the water. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm 100% with you. And that's such a weird conversation to have about the defending champions, you know. It's just, it's mind-boggling. But, uh, you know, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. All right, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep on moving here. I think we're time-wise doing decently, uh, running just a little bit long, but, you know, our shows are always long. We got a lot of info to share, and, uh, you know, that's just the way it goes, man. That's why it's podcast. You can listen to us in sections. That's the nice thing. Let me, let me throw in here real quickly so I don't lose sight of it going on is, you know, again, just to mentor, uh, mention that, our presenting sponsor is Fantasy Draft. Make sure to play this Sunday in the $750,000 NFL Hooters Guaranteed Rate-Free Contest. Again, you know, go to uh, FantasyDraft.com. Use the promo code HOOPBALL, all one word, and you get seven days free membership up to $1,000 in tournaments or cash play any way you want to play it. It's completely rake-free. And uh, go after it and try to be a big shark out there like my man, Mike Apatria. And uh, I want to mention this also now. So at the end of the show, we mention it again. We want to get as much input from these shows from, our, from everybody out there that we can. We've been getting a terrific response so far. But keep giving us more info on what you want to see, what you want to hear, what's going to help you, what questions you have. Because, you know, we, as we get closer and closer, as, you, as we said, 11 days till uh, the, the first preseason game, we want to have everything fine-tuned to when we're doing our daily shows and getting you ready to attack that night's uh, a card to just crush it that we're giving you the info you, uh, that you need. So you can find me on Twitter at Joe Sarvati, J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. Or you can find my man here at Mike Apatria. That's M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You can also catch both of us at hoop-ball.com on the forums. We're on there. And when you listen to these podcasts and, and joining in or, or you're telling somebody, hey, catch the Hoopball NBA DFS podcast, <clears throat> you can listen to us through any of our partners. We You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeart, Spotify, YouTube, everywhere podcasts are heard. And please, we would ask you, take a minute, rate, review, subscribe, give us the five stars, the likes, the, the thumbs up, the positive, uh, any positive input you can give us. Uh, we're able to bring you this free content, which this in-depth content is usually on most sites <clears throat> behind the paywall, but we're planning on continuing to give you this free content, content, grow the show. We want to continue to support uh, our, our uh, hoopball.com, who's Dan Besbris and the team behind us there, you know, does all the hard work to put all of this production together. And then certainly uh, you know, Fantasy Draft are being our, our main sponsor. All right, man, we got that out of the way. So before we jump into the Chicago Bulls, who are next on our roster, Let's listen in to the coach, happens to be one of my favorite coaches because he's old school, tough knuckles, get down, get dirty coach, Mr. Jim Boylan, 
as he has a couple of things to say about uh, this coming season with the Chicago Bulls. We set out to add high character veteran depth. We wanted to improve our shooting. We wanted to improve our playmaking and ball handling. And we wanted to improve our speed and quickness. So we felt like we knocked a lot of those boxes off. To me, you know, you've heard me talk about it. Like, I want our spirit of the team to be right. And I want, our, I want guys with character that care about playing for the Bulls and Bulls across their chest means something. I think that's important. Um, we play for a tough city. We got to be tougher. We got to be more competitive. And I think we got the character guys that can do that. All right, man, there it is. My old school bald-headed brother coach, Jim Boylan. We got the same looking dome. Uh, you want to jump on the Chicago Bulls of the Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen era. <laughs> well, I mean, we could, we could talk about that Forrest era. Brandt. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Kerr. Don't forget the Kerr. Yes, John Paxson. You don't don't get me started, Dennis Rodman. Go ahead. All right. Hey, oh. if you have a did you catch the thirty for thirty that came out last week about Dennis Rodman? No, I did hear about it. Um, oh, I watched it. It's it's painful, man. I, yeah. I expected it to be painful, but it was it was even more painful. God God forbid that guy needs help, dude. He's yeah. gonna end up face down in a gutter. Yeah, no, I I, I could imagine. Um, yeah, always being a guy known for just being outlandish and in, in, in the news and everything ever since he was a player. So uh, times have not changed. Generally, when you retire, the the cameras kind of come off of you a little bit with him. It was uh, a little bit of the opposite there on him. But uh, Ouch. As, as far as current bulls, um, there's a there's a few new faces. Uh, there's, there's a few competitions going on. We got some guys coming back from injury. So this it's going to be a little bit jumbled up. Um, you know, I think, I think with them, there's, there's spots that we could capitalize off of, but just not completely yet. You know, I, I personally believe that, you know, Sadoransky, the guy that they brought in there is the best point guard on the team. Um, anybody that kind of heard me on, uh, you know, the, the box score breakdowns and a few of those last season, uh, I was hinting towards it. You know, I mentioned it as soon as wall got hurt. I said, grab him. Um, he's a guy that will be, you know, top 75 player when he's starting yeah. caliber. Uh, but right now we do have Chris down there. Um, you know, he's a guy that he's still young. They still, there's teams that, you know, maybe have, want to take a chance on him. Maybe they just want to showcase him a little bit before they move him. Um, he mentioned, you know, playing there and being happy to be there, but we can all imagine that no one's really happy with the situation right now. So, but as long as he is there, I would fully expect at least 16, 18 minutes, 20 minutes, maybe even a little bit more from them, and they're kind of going to eat into each other's value. You think Dunn is going to get that many minutes? I think so. I mean, if they have, if they want to trade him, they they need to show him play. Uh, you know, I'm not saying necessarily showcase him. Yeah. Uh, and he's on the, you know, even though they're bringing Sadoransky in there, I, I, I do think he's going to play at least, I would say at least 18 to 22 minutes is where I would think Dunn is. Sadoransky playing uh, probably about 28, 30 what about Kobe White, the rookie? Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. I mean, at the end of the day, we'll probably see him play about 15, 15, 18. That Sadoransky's probably play a little bit at the two as well. Um, but it's, it's I, I assume all three of these guards are going to have to play. Uh, yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they want to pull Kobe along a little bit slower. But, you know, Sadoransky's there for a reason. They signed him, and Dunn was a, was a guy that, I mean, before he kind of you know, busted his face, he was playing great. 
So yeah. he, I, I don't think he's their future. I don't think they think he's part of the future, but I also think right. he's one of the, the biggest assets that they're willing to part with still left on the team. Right. I'm with you. Uh, I mean, that's that's all I really got for the Bulls as far as that. I mean, I, I will be keeping an eye on Laurie Marketing. Um, yeah. He's, he's going to obviously very, very well be the focal point of their offense, and I think Levine's always a great DFS option. Uh, big tournament guy, high-volume shots, handles the ball, plays heavy minutes, um, always playing heavy minutes, plays through a little bit of injury as well. So, th- you know, with them, those are the only two spots I'm really going to be targeting. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr., Yes, he's there. Um, again, another situation that we're going to have to monitor as far as minutes, though. Right, right. Well, I, I'll, I'll start off by saying I, you know, I saw Kobe White play a lot this summer in the summer league, and I was very impressed. I, I liked him in North Carolina. I thought he was a decent player, but he's, I think he's even a little bit better than I thought. Um, he just was really in command of the floor. He needs to improve on his shot. Uh, but I think, you know, I really think they're going to give him some minutes. And I think Sadoransky's a starter. And I'm of the belief that Dunn might be the odd man out and, or they try to move him early on. But, you know, again, it is a muddled situation. I think Sadoransky, I mean, he played fantastic in the uh, FIBA games. He was one of the better point guards in the whole tournament. Uh, you know, I think he'll be. Uh, the most solid guy that might be an, an early on a decent uh, price that, that, that can get some value for you. I'm super high on Zach Levine. I think this is Zach Levine's year to take a step up like to all-star level. I think he's going to be a uh, real high production. You know, he's obviously shoots the ball a ton, you know, which again, you know, we don't care if he misses a bunch of shots in DFS, you know, we love the Chuck and Duck guys, and Zach Levine is definitely a Chuck and Duck guy. So I think he's going to get his shots up. I think he's, according to reports, completely healthy right now. He's obviously had you know major injuries uh, with the through the years. So I'm expecting him to be a, a guy I, I focus on early on for the Bulls. You know, again, Jim Boylan plays some D, plays some old school ball, but. He's going to let them run and move. I don't know. They'll probably be in the middle of the pack pace again. But uh, I think a, a Levine is a guy to definitely keep an eye on. Um, Otto Porter, uh, a, a guy that not a lot of people are talking about, uh, has a, you know is another one of those guys that can make or break you on a specific DFS night. Uh, he's I've taken him in cash games where he's poured in you know 26 points, 12 rebound kind of nights. Four steals, and he's a good, really good defender. And then there's nights where he just sort of fades into it, and he's, you know, eight points, you know, one of those kind of nights, and, and it just kills you. So uh, definitely a guy that has the potential, uh, and if he gets into a rhythm, I think, with the Bulls, could be a, a major DFS player. Uh, Laurie Markkinen's a guy – Laurie Markkinen always – just is a concern for me. I mean, there are times when he looks terrific and times he looks terrible. So, you know, he's a guy I've never quite gotten right in DFS. I mean, I know I just, I think we all have our guys that you just can't get right no matter what you do, no matter what the matchup looks like, either play him or not play him at at the wrong time. And Markkinen's one of those guys for me. So I'm the worst guy to give an opinion on him. But I just I I just don't see the level of what everybody was talking about with him early on, like all star kind of level. I think he's a good player, 
But uh, let's see what he brings this year. This will be a good test for him. You know, they've got a, a full year now with Boylan, uh, you know, preseason and everything for them to learn the system. And we'll see where he goes from there. From there. Um, Wendell Carter, I think, has the potential, again, if he doesn't get in foul trouble and stays healthy, I think could be a, a terrific ball player. I think he'll do a nice job. And then two value guys to keep an eye on for Chicago, Daniel Gafford, the young center, he was awesome in, in uh, the NBA Summer League. He looked like he belonged in the league and could play. I think he will be in the rotation. And they also signed Luke Cornett, who, again, as probably a real cheap option early on, if he gets 20, 25 minutes somehow, uh, with the way he shoots the three, you know, he could cause a lot of trouble uh, for teams and be a real uh, fantasy find. So I, I think there's a lot of value to be find, found on the Bulls. I think, you know, once they get their rotation set and, uh, you know, their pace uh, determined, which should be, you know, decent enough, I think, you know, guys like Levine, Sadoransky, you know, uh, cheap guys like Cornette Gafford, I think are going to be major players. I think Cornette is definitely going to impact uh, Wendell Carter Jr.'s minutes. I mean, he, he, he can shoot three. <laughs> It's a guy that we saw in limited minutes over there in New York. Um, again, I'm one of the, the poor saps that on basic cable only gets to choose between two games, uh, which is why now I just watch exclusively off my laptop. And whenever I'd, I'd flip him on, um, Cornette wearing a mask was just stepping up at the top of the key. So Knocking a three down. Huh? I, yep, and he's by no means even close to being as good of a player as Wendell Carter Jr. He just adds a little bit of a, a, a different element to the game that Wendell Carter does not, and it's someone that can also spell him if he is looking, like you said, getting into foul trouble early. So that's, uh, that's the only reason why I'm probably going to, you know, I'm going to edge away from Wendell Carter Jr. in DFS for the beginning of the season. And yeah. like I said, uh, we'll, you know, we'll get to some other teams, you know, over the next few weeks, but there's going to be a lot of centers in, in good spots and, and early on that are going to be able to take advantage of it, who I think are going to fly a little under the radar. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Keep, Keep on trucking here. I'll jump in with uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, you know, I, I had a chance uh, to, to catch a lot of the Cavs at the, at the NBA Summer League, which, uh, you know, was, was really a, a blast and, and spent, spent some time, uh, you know, talking with their coach, Beeline, who's actually an old friend of mine, again, you know, showing the age, but I worked summer camps for five years up uh, when he was at Lemoyne University, you know, well before he went to Michigan. And, uh, you know, so we talked for quite a while, took some pictures and stuff. I think we had him up on hoop ball, but, uh, you know, I'm obviously now a big Cavs fan now that my, my man Beeline is coaching there. So I'm rooting for him uh, big time, but, you know, the only thing coach mainly said was he was most excited about his guards. He's always been, a guard heavy uh, coach and, and, you know, he likes playing two or three guards that can all shoot the ball from three and get up and down the floor. So I guarantee it. Cleveland's going to play with a ton of pace, way more than they did before. And you, you're going to see a lot of production from, you know, guys that I'm really high on Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, especially, and Jordan Clarkson. I think those three guys are going to get a lot of play, a lot of run, score a lot of points, uh, and they're going to be up and down the floor. So I'm excited for them. 
you know, uh, Jetty Osmond had a, a nice little, uh, even though he bricked the foul shots for Turkey, they could have beat the USA. And we thank him for that because then we would have maybe been like 500 in that tournament. But anyway, he's, you know, he's coming back at the small forward. I think he's going to be pressed for some minutes by the guy that was my sleeper rookie of the NBA Summer League, Dylan Windler. I don't know if, if you know that much about him, but he's a terrific young player. This look, you know, cool and smooth out there. I think he'll, he'll uh, really push uh, Jetty for some minutes at the small forward. So, you know, there's a great guy that'll be minimum price early that'll get some minutes that could uh, win a GPP for you. So there you go. There's your first... Uh, your first big GPP win, Mike. I get a, a mention out if, if uh, <laughs> I get some of these dudes in there. Oh, no then doubt. Uh, obviously the the rotation of their bigs with Kevin Love, Larry Nance, Tristan Thompson, and then Zizic, uh, who who's okay. You know, you know the big question is what's what's going to happen with those guys. You know, I know, you know, I know uh, Coach Beeline likes to move the ball and run the floor. You know, I know Love has the potential. To, to get up and down. He's an awesome player when he's healthy and he's out there. I think they'll showcase him hard the first half and he'll probably get moved uh, at some point. That's just my, my gut feeling. Uh, so they can continue to build a, a, a young team. Um, I'm going to stay far from, from the whole Tristan Thompson, Larry Nance, Zizic, all the, you know, those bigs, because I think they're going to split minutes. I'm not sure how they're going to fit in that, rotation of what beeline is going to play early on and uh, i think i'd stick with the young young guns on this team early on and i think they'll be priced fair so i think you'll you know you'll be able to load up on a, a garland sexton or you know throw in a, a, a yeti osman uh, sexton windler type uh super cheap so then you can load up with the hardens and stuff of the world and maybe take down a big one so I'm excited for Cleveland. I, I know that's a weird thing to say, but, you know, again, being a B-line fan and, and, you know, them being loaded with, with young guards, I think they're going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see how that backcourt shakes out, you know, with you. And I'm I'm actually a big Jordan Clarkson fan myself, personally. I mean, he's a guy that as soon as I started watching him in L.A., you get that, like you said, that eye test where certain players, I love the guys like the Jimmy, that's what, that's what drew me to Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is one of my favorite players because right when I saw him initially play, the energy he had, he was he was very, very high, like a high energy, high motor guy, up and down the court, made the hustle plays, uh, and looked like he was just going to grow as a player. And Clarkson never really took that next step that I was kind of hoping to see, um, but he's a fantastic bench guy. Uh, I, I can't wait to see how they rotate the three guards. And uh, I think you hit it with the with the front court. It's going to be a little annoying. Um, if, if we see Kevin Love playing 35 minutes, uh, he's a DFS monster. Um, he's a guy that we could definitely you know keep an eye on as long as he's healthy and playing that. But if he's going to be floating around 27, 28, it becomes a little less appetizing. And, uh, you know, I'm going to stay away from Tristan Thompson. I would expect Nance to play a little bit more at the five, like you said, um, with, a, with a faster pace team you know faster tempo um makes more sense for nance to play the five he's a little bit more athletic and can run up and down the court a little bit more no doubt no doubt all right man we're down to three teams let's crunch this out and get it done and we'll have the atlantic and central under our belts you have the detroit pistons the pistons so uh this is a team that we are gonna see very it's very similar 
Um, you know, Andre, a lot of it's going to flow through the, the same spots. We've seen Derrick Rose come in. Um, you know, that's only going to kind of chop up the minutes between, you know, Reggie Jackson. But, um, I mean, we kind of saw that anyway in the past. The one thing I'm going to keep, I think, the biggest attention on is going to be a healthy Blake Griffin. Uh, before Blake Griffin started, you know, getting hurt and going down and getting the knee soreness and the ankle soreness, and uh, he was playing at an all-star and an MVP caliber level almost. He was having a career year. So yeah. is he is he going to be back at that level? Um, if so, then I'm probably going to be shying away from guys like Andre Drummond and pretty much anybody else on the team besides him, um, and, unless they're in one of those smash spots where they're going against you know the Suns or one of those teams that just cannot rebound. So that's that, I mean they're they're kind of I, I I hate to just mull over it and be a little bit basic, but they're they're kind of a, of a boring team. Um, in, in in all aspects of I mean you take you take the two front court guys out of it. Uh, that's that's their juice. You know, right. that's, that's basically where everything's coming from. So, I hey, think, they signed Joe Johnson. I think he's my age, but he's playing. He's there. <laughs> hey, listen, I would not be. It would not shock me to see Joe Johnson close the game here and there for them too. Uh, cannot yeah, have a shot, man. Big, big, you know, big shot. Joe can knock it down from. He has no range. Uh, no. Contested. He was always one of the the best shooters when it came to contested jumpers. He can get a shot over anybody. Um, you yeah. Know, you're closing out. You got your hand in the face. He's fading away, falling out of bounds. You're thinking to yourself, there's no way he hit that shot. He's not even going to be able to hit rim. And next thing you know, the opposing team is storming the court because he just hit a game winner. So <laughs> yeah. I, I I will love watching him. Um, will I put any money anywhere near him? No, no, that's not going to happen. I, it generally won't happen with any of their wing players for me. Um, not unless it's one of those – like four game slates where you know you're trying to get a little value in there but generally in an eight game slate uh we'll be able to find better value than what they have to offer other than you know their main star guys you're right i i mean i'm they are definitely one of the more uh boring teams as far as what we're going to look to expect here i think i mean guard wise i mean how do you i mean you got to fade all these guys right now their their rotation of Jackson and Rose splitting the point. Bruce Brown's a nice young player, but, you know, I mean, maybe as a minimum, Luke Kennard, Tony Snell's there, and Joe Johnson. I mean, I don't feel comfortable with any of those guys to, to put my build around for fantasy. Uh, what I can say, though, is I have just a, a huge love in my heart for Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond because I always use one of those two guys in my lineup, I swear. I mean, one of them just seems to go – for 20 and 16, or Drummond will go for 16 and 24. I mean, I, I got on the opposite end of, you know, the not being able to pick the right guy. I just seemed to always plug in Griffin or Drummond in the right time last year. You know, and when, you know how you get your, your results on who you played the most during the year uh, after the season's over uh, on your DFS report. Uh, Griffin and Drummond were both on there for me. So, you know, those are guys I'll be using one or the other. I, I seldom will use both because generally one will go off and the other one's, you know, decent, but they don't usually both have monster games. But if you pick the right one in the right situation, I'm telling you, they can win you some money. And I will, I am living, breathing proof of, of that. So I'm on their bandwagon. I don't see anybody that's going to take any minutes of any matter from them. I mean, they've got. Markeith Morris, Thon Maker, Christian Wood that, you know, will spell them. But it's going to be the Griffin Drummond show there. And, uh, you know, it's really pretty much that simple with Detroit. 
Exactly. And uh, I would, like you said, I would never play both of them in the same lineup. Uh, you know, you one off them, and uh, you know, I think those those big rebounding days for Griffin are kind of long gone. We we've seen him take the approach where he's shooting a little bit more from beyond the arc, and uh, you know, you really don't need both their bodies in the paint. Drummond's enough for for two people. They're monsters, though, man. I mean, they both on any night can go twenty twenty. They really can. I'm telling you, they're they're monsters. I always got a special warm spot for any UConn UConn players. Uh, you know, like being yeah. in Connecticut, it's basically the closest thing I got to a, a pro sport in the state that I you know I go watch. Yeah, definitely. Oh, hey, they have a great history, no question. All right, two to go. I'm gonna jump into the Indiana Pacers, and then I'll let you finish off with the East defending champion Milwaukee Bucks. So the Indiana Pacers, uh, obviously. The excitement is Malcolm Brogdon gets to be a showcase guy for the first time. They bring him in for the big bucks. I think he's a stud. I'm excited uh, to use him in fantasy because he he does a little bit of everything. Now, you got to remember, though, the Pacers don't play at the best pace, uh, sort of opposite of their name. You would think they would, but uh, they... You know, they, they definitely are a little bit more deliberate, especially with, you know, Sabonis and Turner, both supposedly starting this year together at the 4-5. Uh, that's the plan, uh, according to, you know, the, the what they're saying preseason here. So, you know, again, a team based on matchup, if they're playing a, a really high-paced team, that it's going to uh, really help them. I think Brogdon... You know, Sabonis, Turner are all in play uh, until Oladipo comes back. You know, when when once Oladipo comes back, you reset the whole look of the Pacers. If, you know, and you know if they'll he'll come back slowly or if he'll be ready to roll out of the shoots. Obviously, will be the biggest thing for DFS owners to watch. You know, uh, when that comes around. But until then, I think you know you can feel comfortable uh, with Brogdon, Sabonis, Turner, even maybe Jeremy Lamb, who was a good pickup for them in the offseason, and T.J. Warren, uh, another guy that, you know, against the right matchup, if you play him on the right night, uh, can do some damage. Um, They're all playable guys. Um, You know, uh, again, this is not a team based on pace or the fact that they all share the ball so much that I would say, you know, I'm going to, uh, stack up any pacers. I think they're going to be definite one-off kind of guys that you have to look for in specific matchups. Um, I think they'll be an improved team in the East, but uh, not a, a real DFS darling. No, and I think I, I think you basically said it with your words. But they're to me their entire starting five. I mean, outside of Brogdon, who will probably be a little underpriced on opening night, um, they're pretty much a bunch a big cash team. Uh, not a lot of, you know, evenly distributed usage uh, throughout all five of them. No one's really going to stand out as an offensive force. They can all they can all score in their own ways and be, you know, 12 to 15 point guys here and there. But none of them are really going to go out there and drop 35, uh, you know, on a given night. So I don't I don't really look at any of them other than Brogdon, like I said early on, as viable tournament options. But they're all just safe guys with safe floors, decent ceilings for cash games, in my opinion. Do you think they'll they'll uh, compete with the top dogs once Oladipo's back and healthy? Top dogs in in meaning the yeah, NBA uh, or the East? 
In the East, Milwaukee and Philly in general. No, I don't think they can. I, I still don't think they're at the point where they can compete step with below. Milwaukee. Yeah, they're definitely still a step below. They're ahead of, you know, they're probably right right there with Boston. Uh, maybe maybe a step ahead of Boston. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I I agree with you. I I you know they are a team that can make some noise. I think if Oladipo's healthy. They're not a team I'd want to tangle with in the I don't, playoffs. I just don't. I don't see Sabonis and Turner working alongside of each other uh, long term. Uh, no, uh, no. I mean, there's a reason why they didn't do it for for yeah. a while. Um, you know, there, there's games where Thad Young would miss, and they still would not want to play those guys next to each other. Uh, That's true. It, it's it, it's game. It's something that they shied away from. They mentioned. I honestly thought that one of them was going to be uh, traded. I thought yeah, Thad I, Young was staying. Thad Young was their captain. Yeah. Um, I thought that Young would be sticking around, and I didn't think it was going to be Turner. I thought Sabonis was a was a good trade chip, um, yeah. and it, you know, turns out they they kept him around, and now he's going to be starting power forward, and that's great for him. Well, we'll see. Like you said, is it only because they're having to do that, or is it because you know they'll play well together? So that's a that's a good point. Yeah, and it's not something I'm going to really I, like. If one of those guys misses again, jump on it. Turner, we kind of know of. Um, but Sabonis is one guy in particular I capitalize on anytime, you know, Miles Turner misses a game. I ju- oh, yeah. jump, jump all over that. I, I that's think. a great point. I mean, that's one of those where, you know, if, if one or the other is out and there's a lot of teams that have, you know, two particular guys like that, it's just lock button hundred percent on if the other guy plays and the other one's sitting. I mean, it's, that's a great point because they're going to, they're going to get all that usage and all the, the rebounds and everything goes with it. So. I'm with you on that. All right, let's we we're going to jump into our last team and wrap up the show for this week with the Milwaukee Bucks. I'll let you jump in with that as soon as we hear a couple of words from Malcolm Brogdon about uh, his excitement. By the way, of of joining the Pacers, we want to get his two cents, and then you can jump in uh, with the Bucks right after. But you know, I'm extremely excited to be here. It's a great opportunity. Uh, it's an organization where I immediately feel extremely valued. Uh, you know, they have a great franchise player in Victor Oladipo, and they have great building blocks and you know, Miles Turner, uh, Sabonis, guys like that, and a great coach and Coach McMillan. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to be here, excited to be a part of this organization, and I'm ready to start winning. There it is, Malcolm Brogdon, and I'll tell you, he's, he's going to be fun, man. He is going to be fun. All right, let's wrap up with the Milwaukee Bucks. Mr. Apatria, what do you you have to say about the defending East champions? I mean, aside from the obvious with Giannis, um, you know, being he is my favorite player he's been since he came in the league. I've always been a a big Greek freak fan. So, um, you know, expecting him to just take maybe another small step forward and continue being the beast. Uh, Brogdon being gone is the one thing that I'm going to be focused on. Uh, You know, Meritik's also out of the way as well, but... Uh, you know, taking a taking a look at guys like you know Eric Bledsoe, uh, I think he's going to get overlooked in season long leagues as well as DFS. And you know, he kind of over the past few years has been known to take a back seat to these other guys. But I think a lot of that was due part uh, to Brogdon, um, mm-hmm. less than it was for just you know Middleton and Giannis taking all the usage. You know, Brogdon handled a lot of ball handling responsibility in the past. He's he's now the go to guy. They brought it looks like they brought George Hill back. Um, yeah. So I'm not I'm not expecting George Hill to eat up 26 minutes a game. So this is going to be the Bledsoe show with the ball, I think. 
Uh, Giannis obviously still going to have his moments of bringing it up court, but I think I think we're going to actually see a good year from Bledsoe, and he's a guy that I'm going to have an eye on. And if I had to highlight one guy on their team, it's it's got to be him. That's that's a smart play. I mean, obviously on any given night, Giannis, you know, can start your build, but he's going to be probably the most expensive guy on the board, or at least close to, with a Harden and a few other guys. Um, so, you know, do you put your chips all in on Giannis? Yeah, maybe on a specifically, you know, specific given matchup. So I'm, I'm with you there. That goes without being said. Um, Bledsoe, I don't know, man. It's uh, the jury's a little out. I remember a stretch last year where, you know, he had about a 10 or 15 game stretch where he was just awesome. And then they signed him to a contract extension. And it seemed like after that, he took the foot off the gas and just was okay. And, you know, is that going to be good enough? I mean, they've got George Hill backing them up. They brought in Wesley Matthews and Pat Connaughton, Kyle Korver, Sterling Brown. You know, they have a bunch of guys that can then pull some minutes. But, again, with, with you're right. With Brogdon gone, it's his show completely. Hopefully he steps up. Um, you know, he's not the beginning of my build on any specific team. But I think, uh, you know, he's a, he's a good player. It's just, you know, we'll see where it goes. Um, Middleton, you know, he was so average in the FIBA games, it was a little difficult to watch. Uh, hopefully he steps it up a little bit. He has a tendency to be priced fair. So on a given night, you know, again, he's points dependent at times. Uh, so, you know, you just sort of have to see what happens uh, with him. And then the Lopez brothers having Brooke and Robin there, that's not going to be confusing enough. Uh, I think you should get both of them when you take one personally, but uh, that's sort of funny. I, I'm thinking they need to, uh, sh- the, you know, Robin needs to shave his head and Brooke needs to grow his hair out just to freak everybody out and confuse everybody. But anyway, as far as the Bucks go, you know, I don't know. I don't know how much of a DFS you know, play they were. I know they were very popular last year, but uh, Giannis will always, you know, pull ownership uh, just because he's Giannis and he can have the highest, you know, fantasy total of the night. But the rest of the guys, you know, I, I don't know if you can really count on to produce for you. So it's odd to say the best team in the East, but, you know, to me, they're not a DFS sweetheart this year at all. No, and uh, and I get your point because while none of them are really appealing, there there's reasons why they are played, and it's because they're more they're more of a GPP targets. You know, those we've seen Middleton have big nights, we've seen Giannis break the slate, and Bledsoe, like I mentioned, he's a guy that just goes criminally underowned, and when he when he's being priced that, you know, that six K range or six point three, and he can still go out there and drop forty and in in fantasy points in DraftKings or fantasy draft Fanduel. Um, and those those cash out. That's what you're looking for. I mean, that's more than uh, you know six x value. So you'll take that any Absolutely. day of the week. And uh, any day, man. And I'm not I'm not focused on any of the the shooting guard cluster. Um, even for season long, I'm not touching any of that. Like I said, I try to keep my my player pool. I got to limit it. My job is to come in here and x out guys. I do not want anything to do with it. And don't second guess it. And don't look back. So again, the Bucks are one of those teams where I, I, I limit it right off the rip, and it's basically three guys I'm looking at. I'm not going to touch the centers. Um, I'm expecting this to be chopped up. When they need more of a defensive help, they put Robin in, and when they're chasing points, they put Brook in. Whatever it may be, um, I'm not touching it. 
we're on the same page, man. And I'm telling you, it's just as important of who you fade as who you're counting on in your lineup. Sometimes getting those fade guys right is what is going to win you uh, cash and GPPs. All right, man, we put in another long show, but again, we want to pour as much information in preseason here to get you ready to build up that big bankroll early on. So it's been a fantastic show, Mike. Thanks for for hanging in there. We're coming to you a day early this week, uh, releasing on, on, uh, you know, it being Wednesday the 18th. Next week, we'll probably shift back to our Thursday spot. Uh, and, and as I say, next week, we'll handle uh, the two divisions, the um, southeast and the northwest. So Atlanta, Charlotte, all those, Portland, Utah. And then we'll finish up uh, with the uh, Pacific and Southwest the last week. So You mean the good teams? Yes, the <laughs> West. We're saving the best for last, man. No doubt about it. So, um, again, at Joe Sarvati on Twitter, J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I, and at Mike Apotri, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. Look for us at hoop-ball.com on the forums. Please subscribe, like. Give us five stars. Support Fantasy Draft. Try to beat my buddy the Shark here, Mike Apotri, in their big Fantasy Draft rake-free 750K guaranteed contest this weekend. And any final words on your side, uh, Mike? Yeah, I mean, if, if you're on there and you're making a football lineup, uh, you know, shoot me, a, shoot me a tweet. Let's go heads up. I got a little bankroll to mess around with. So if anybody wants to go do like a little, you know, a dollar, come at me in football. I'm not, I'm not an expert, but uh, I'm, I'm, I, I'm feeling a little cocky right now. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's not my wheelhouse, and I'm winning money, so that therefore I'm ready to just bet everybody. Let's do it. Oh my gosh! Well, take them on, man. I, I won't. I'm waiting for basketball. I'm smart in that sense, but. Take him on, man. I know Mike, Mike uh, can be had. That's not his number one game. This is your shot out there, folks. So go after him. Good luck with that, Mike, too. All right. Terrific. Thank you again for uh, joining us for Hoopball NBA DFS today this week. I hope you uh, were able to garner a lot of knowledge and information from what we threw out there. Uh, we're Excited to finish up these next couple and get you ready for the start of the season. It is quickly, quickly approaching. So for Mike Patria, I'm Coach, and we will catch you again next week as we all work together to look to crush it in NBA DFS this season. Thanks. Good night. Good night, guys. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.